following is a presentation of Learfield IMG College. From the Georgia Southern Sports Network, powered by Learfield IMG College. Wings up, Eagle Nation! Touchdown, Georgia Southern! This is Inside Eagle Nation, your all-access look into Eagle Athletics. Taking a look through all the other action in Georgia Southern Athletics this past week, a lot of road action, a lot of teams hitting the old I-16 out of town. Getting on the steel horse and taking us to parts north, south, west, wherever. Can't really go too much farther east. Now let's return to the Learfield IMG College studios. Here are your hosts, Colin Lacey and Danny Reed. That's a fact, Jack. Welcome into another edition of Inside Eagle Nation, episode number 177 here on a Monday night in Statesboro. Colin Lacian will be joined by Terry Harvin in just a few moments as he makes his way down to Hanner Fieldhouse. But again, Danny Reed on location. He is with the Eagle Club Tours tonight. They are down in Savannah on the Armstrong campus. Danny will be back next week because of the Gusby Awards coming up next week on campus. There is no Eagle Club Tour, so we will be back. We'll have to do that one a little bit earlier on in the day because of the Gusbys next Monday night. But a busy weekend around Georgia Southern Athletics this weekend, this past weekend as well. Right now, Georgia Southern Women's Golf down in Daytona at the LPGA Intercollegiate Hills course. It'll be a day two finishing up in just a few hours ago, rather. Day two finishing up in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament for Georgia Southern Women's Golf, and Georgia Southern leads the pack. Eagles led the pack after day one and just finished up again a couple of hours ago. They are plus 17 as a team, a two-stroke lead going into the final round over Arkansas State. That will be tomorrow, be finishing up at about 3, 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon is what everything is scheduled to be. But Georgia Southern and Arkansas State going neck and neck along with Coastal Carolina as well. Individually, Saraton Radisson finished the second round at two under. She is three strokes ahead. Of the number two, one of those tied for number two is Mia Ness, who shot a my three under yesterday and is now tied for second at one over for Georgia Southern Women's Golf. You can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. Dan McDonald and J.D. Byers do a fantastic job on the Sunbelt Conference and golf coverage this year. They are live from the New Orleans Superdome, but they will be getting you everything from Daytona Beach. They'll be doing the same thing next week when Georgia Southern Men's Golf Heads out to El Dorado, Arkansas for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. That starts Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in stroke play. The top four move on to match play. The one will play fourth. The two plays three. The winner of those two in the morning will play each other in match play in the afternoon as well as Georgia Southern Men's Golf getting that title last year as well. But Good luck and congratulations out to Georgia Southern Women's Golf. You can follow them tomorrow either on LiveStat, on GolfStat, that link on gseagles.com. Just go to the Women's Golf schedule page. The LiveStats link is there. You can watch them on ESPN Plus as well. Georgia Southern Men's Tennis finished up their part of the season in the Sunbelt Conference Championship up in Peachtree City. They took on the number two seed, South Alabama, as the seventh seed and narrowly fell 4-3 to three to South Alabama. So the Georgia Southern Men's Tennis season has come to a close this year. Georgia Southern Women's wrapped up the regular season for Sunbelt Conference play. They fell 4-1 to up in Atlanta against the Georgia State Panthers and then got the victory 4-3 to at home at the Wallace Tennis Center on Saturday against the Appalachian State Mountaineers. 
They head back to Atlanta for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament up in Peachtree City. First round matchup, Georgia Southern ends up being the seventh seed. They will take on the 10th seed, Louisiana, on Thursday in the first round. The winner of that will play the number two seed in Georgia State in the winner of that coming up on Friday for Georgia Southern women's tennis. Georgia Southern softball, a little bit of a tough weekend and a different weekend out in Sunbelt Conference play in Arlington. It's supposed to be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series moving up because of the Easter weekend. Then having to be pushed to one game on Friday and then a doubleheader on Saturday. Georgia Southern fell on Friday 5-0 to the UT Arlington Mavericks and then fell 9-5 in the first game of the doubleheader out in Arlington. Saturday, it was a 6-0 loss at the hands of UT Arlington. Only took six innings. A little bit because of the kill time coming up for Georgia Southern softball as broadcast partner rolling in. But they will head in a five-game week, all of it at home at Eagle Field. Wednesday, a doubleheader against the North Florida Ospreys. Four o'clock, the first pitch for game number one of that doubleheader. And then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday against the Texas State Bobcats. Six o'clock, first pitch on Friday. Three o'clock on Saturday, 11 a.m., the first pitch on Sunday. I'm ready. You, you ready to roll? I found a way. <laughs> yeah. We haven't got there yet. Well, I thought maybe tornadoes might come back. So this would come in handy. <laughs> this is a tight fit, man. I, feel, I don't know if I can get it off now. This is cool. I appreciate you. Good to be here. Good to see you. I found a way. You so. did. You know, Georgia Southern softball found a way to make a good thing out of something in Texas. They went to the Rangers ballpark on since they had a free day in Arlington because the oh. series moved from Thursday, Friday, Saturday to Friday and then two on Saturday. Yep. Plane tickets already bought. So you get to Arlington on Wednesday. They go to the Rangers ballpark on Thursday. Got to meet Charlie Culbertson at a pregame tour. Really? And then hung out and got to see a game. And actually, there was a home run that was probably only – Four or five rows in front of him, you could see him on TV as the home run landed. And you know, I would have caught it. Like Absolutely, I did you would have knocked everybody out of the way in the press box with you. Right. Saved your life that time. You did. Yeah, very much appreciated. That. It's good to be here in their locker room, which is what I've labeled the podcast. Room, you by have the way. for years. Actually, and he doesn't like it. It's not that I don't like it. I bet your fans would love it. I, I'm sure room. they would. Yeah, I just think it's something different. Yeah, exactly. Good to be here, though. Good to have You're you. You're doing a good job with that, and it's good that uh, I get pulled in from the bullpen. You did? Yeah, it's nice. Call the bullpen. Again, Danny will be back next week. We're going to have to move it up to earlier in the afternoon because of the Gusby's oh, next that's right. Monday, Monday night. night. Monday night. Gusby's. You were going to be gallivanting off in... Yeah, I'll be in Nashville. That's right. Yeah, you know, got to hang out with the Nashville crowd, you know, big time. Go see your country music folks. Yeah, I thought about, you know, told them I couldn't sing this time at the Grand Old Opry, but, right. you know. Maybe in the future. You're going to be up there with all the Learfield folks with the Learfield meetings, the GMs from all the properties across Learfield. Yeah, I'm still the youngster, so it's kind of nice being the youngster <laughs> for a change. This is You're one year, the by guy. the way. This is one year. That's right. It's my Happy one year. anniversary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They, I made it a year before me and terminated, so I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It is one year. I'm very excited about it. It's been a fun year, too. What a ride it's been. Very productive year. It has been. Well, you got a good team. It makes it easy. Speaking of good teams, you guys are doing a good job on the radio. I'm enjoying, I'm probably enjoying baseball, uh, listening to y'all as I travel more than I ever have. So, good job. 
Job well done. It helps when you have a top 25 team to talk about. Doesn't hurt. You've got the cardiac kids coming back when they're always <laughs> down like that. And it's like, you know, the kids, I will tell you, Madeline, my oldest. Right. Sarah, who's up at Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then Jillian, they were all in town. That's right. You had a very good Easter on we did. Saturday. We had all five Harvins in the booth the for a minute. The whole crowd was there. And uh, I call them up because they want to go to the baseball game. And mm-hmm. I said, hey, guys, we're, we're losing six to nothing. Right. Coming anyway. So Madeline comes be bopping in because she was graduate of Georgia Southern, so right. she was raised to have a certain level of dislike for Panthersville. Correct. Right? She walked in, no, no, we're beating them. We're here now. And I mean right on cue. <laughs> right on cue. We started digging them one at a time, just getting it. It was crazy. Of course, Madeline takes all the credit. As yeah. she should. Yeah, of course she should. Anyway. See, there are two people that should take credit for it. You know who it is? Hmm. You got me. Gus wasn't there, so no. he's not allowed to come back because it's the Correct. first time we swept him, so now he can't come back. Right. I would say the players for one. But go well, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but there's two individuals. Okay. Who you got? Lynn and Sadie Marie Futch. Is this the T-shirts? Correct. Nice shirts, by the way. Thursday, I think it was Thursday, they delivered us two Find Away shirts because Danny and I have been talking about Find Away for a month now, something that Coach Hannon had talked about after a game. And well, they kinda, just designed it? Just kind of stuck. We had said that we wouldn't be shocked if William Martin from Southern Exchange ended up having a find-a-way T-shirt. And he did, by the way. Right, he, he does now. Yeah. Correct. And so last week, they bring us two shirts, which I'm not going to let you see it. Because I'll steal it? Because you'll steal it because it's very soft. Danny and Colin get all the cool stuff, by the way. This is just some of the things. But when you go into the, the broadcast booth, there's stuff hidden in there, really a nook and cranny and hats and shirts and... You know. Well, we have to hide it. Yeah, because I'll steal it. Right. I will. Did they get an extra large for me? Uh, mine is an extra Twice large. Twice as big for me? Yeah. Actually, mine was a double X. Was it? Okay. Yeah. A little shrinkage? Yeah, I, hopefully. Hopefully, I'm the one shrinking. Well, let's hope but... not. <laughs> anyway, but uh, thanks for letting me hang out with you today. Of course. Coming downstairs real quick to check you out. We got a lot of busy weekend. Yeah. Busy, busy weekend. Um. You have an awards, the Georgia Southern Alumni Awards are Friday night, so looking forward to that. I know two in particular are getting awards, Anthony Tippins, getting the Talent Award, and Leonard Bevel's getting an award. And then Saturday, uh, we start off with the, um, we have a run. Right, and then 5K run. 5K are you taking run. part? Oh, no, I can't even, <laughs> I can't drive 5K without even going to the bathroom. Let's go, let's be real. I'm over 50 now. I got to schedule those things no, out. No, trust me. I know. Yeah, I rode with you to South yeah, Alabama. Exactly. We plan them out. We're like, we're all good restrooms, <laughs> you know. Uh, but we have the punt pass and kick competition, yep. which is Splash in the Borough. And then you have the uh, True Blue Barbecue, Dolan's Barbecue, and Frank Sikowski's one of the judges. As he should be. As he, I, I tried. They said no. I begged. They said no. <laughs> I offered to pay. They said no. So anyway, so I think we're up to about 14 teams in that wow. right now. So that's exciting. One yeah. we had last week. John Murphy was our special guest host. He's going to be a team. He's going to do it. Love me some Murph. Oh, Murph's awesome. You don't get much better than Murph. No. And, uh, he's so excited about soccer. We can talk about that, too. But And then we have the pump pass and kick competition, and then the spring games at noon. And then uh, softball games that afternoon. Right, Coach 3 o'clock. And then the uh, legendary, the famous, I don't even know how many this is now. The 15th e- annual. Is it 15 years? Oh, my. That's what the press release said. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, 15th annual $10,000 EFA reverse raffle and silent auction. 
If you've never been, you want to go. It's $100 for a ticket, and that gets in two people. Two people in, one entry into the $10,000 grand prize, but it's an open bar. It's um, drink responsibly, please. Uh, Food buffet, food, so eat responsibly, please. (laughs) But a lot of cool items on the silent auction, live auction, and a great band called the Scoundrels. They'll come up from Florida. People love them. They they play all night. It's It's a good time. That's going to be inside Hander Fieldhouse. Yes. We'll talk about the EFA reverse raffle because I want to pick your brain on it a little bit more. Fun. But but everything going around the spring game on Saturday. As you mentioned the True Blue Barbecue Cook-Off presented by Dolan's. That's from 7 to 11.30. So teams will start cooking at 7 o'clock and then the judging around 11.30-ish. Okay. Punt, pass, and kick brought to you by Splash in the Borough. Checking at 8. The competition starts at 9 o'clock at Allen E. Paulson Stadium. You also have the indoor practice facility groundbreaking ceremony at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, and then the spring game at noon. Awesome. It's going to be fun. I, I'm looking forward to it. The Everybody's looking forward to the spring game as they should. Yeah. I've never had barbecue that early in the morning. <laughs> I will. Oh, I'm sure you have. No, I don't. When we've been to Texas. I mean, look at me. I got this beautiful build for a reason. <laughs> but I, I will definitely try it. And uh, it, it's going to be a good time. Looking forward to it. And looking forward to see the product on the field. We've been to a lot of football practices this spring. Coach Elton and, and his team has brought a uh, level of intensity, yeah. which is great. Uh, they're fighting for every position right now. I'd probably say there's a few that you can say are locks. Uh, right now, Van Trees. He's the lock for uh, for the starting quarterback, the transfer out of Buffalo, and he's been the real deal. Very poised back there. Uh, good arm. Puts it right on the money. The receivers are excited about him. Yeah. Uh, running back by committee, probably the best running back room, uh, not just in the conference, but I'll say all the group of five. It's strong. You could have one through four, and come this fall, I will say one through five starters anywhere. They're that good. Some receivers coming in. Uh, it'd be interesting to see those defensive ends. Ellis uh, back, of course, and Dylan Springer and their favorite linebackers. Crucial defensive backs have gotten significantly better. Yeah, watching practice and it only makes sense if you think about it. You're you're practicing every day against a team of gunslingers that are throwing the ball all over the field, so they can't help but be improved and get better as they're getting those reps in, and that's a good thing. Coach Witt and them out there are doing a fantastic job. So I'm excited. There's a kicker competition going on with Bryce and Britton and Alex. So I would still say that probably Alex and Britt maybe have the edge right now. Um, but it's it's a good little competition going on. The thing that I take away from being out at practices a couple of times whenever schedules allow, but one, the intensity and the speed yes. of these practices have been – off the charts and the second one they're not blasting music and so you can hear all the coaching that's being happening yeah it's it's pretty pretty spectacular everybody has their philosophy in coaching so it's not a knock on anybody that's been here before uh but and i think they'll play some music some but right now they're trying to set a tone and it's it's a little different um certainly been the great off-season workouts and I love it because you can hear the hitting of the pads. You can hear the coaching going on. And it's a lot of fun to watch. It's it's exciting and to see these kids. And they're buying into everything. And it's, it's I, I promise you it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, you ask Coach Elton, what is the perfect offensive day in a game? Of course, winning. 
scoring a lot of points. 80 plays, 40 run, 40 pass. That's a lot of plays. Yeah. And if you go out and watch practice, you'll see that happening. A lot of plays going on, a lot of signals, receivers, communication's a big deal. So it's a lot of fun out there. Now, what he is doing is trying to capitalize on mistakes too, trying to eliminate them. So when you see a mistake happening that would have resulted in a penalty, he's immediately addressing it. And uh, so I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Dive into the EFA reverse raffle. It's something we talked about. 15th annual event for the EFAA. Big supporters for Georgia Southern Athletics and the Eagle Football Alumni, Alumni Association. You've been heavily involved with the EFAA for a long time. I'm old. <laughs> Not where I was going. I know. But first and foremost, there's somebody that has stepped into your former position of the president of the EFAA. Yes. Ms. Danette Thornton, a great person to take that role. Correct. And uh, we have made a change. Now, I sat in that role a little longer than normal because we were in a time that's not normal. Pandemic kind of throws that at you, right? Little things like a pandemic. But uh, so this was a good time to transition out, especially with me being in the role with Learfield. Uh, Danette is a former equipment manager back when uh, Adrian Peterson was here, Paul Johnson. She's been on the board of directors for a long time for the executive board. So it only made sense. And she wanted it. So, of course, we had to pay her. No, I'm kidding you. But I begged her and plead and cried. You know, I text and called her every day of the week (laughs) until she finally (laughs) relented and said, okay, okay, I'll do it. Will you stop calling me now? You know, that's kind of what it got to. And the answer was still no. Yeah, no, I kept calling her anyway. But Danette's perfect for it. It's good. And we're going to be doing some different things, expanding the board a little bit. We've got to get some younger, some different generations in there because there's a lot of us old farts in there. So to to maybe not necessarily roll off, but roll, let them roll in and be involved and see how we're doing things. Uh, it's a fun event. And Danette, like I said, um, think about it. We're a football alumni group with a president who's a female right. and a former equipment manager. Because when we established the EFAA, you recognize it's not just about the football players. There's a whole support staff that goes around it to make things happen, and they are just as much a part of it. Yeah. So we include the equipment managers, trainers, former coaches, uh, support, cheerleaders are part of the EFAA. And kudos to the cheerleaders, by the way, won a national championship again, the all-girls squad. Won the national championship. The co-ed came in third, I right. believe. Number seven national championship, if I'm not mistaken. Seven. They, they, Katie was sporting a ring and showing it off the oh, other I'm day. I'm sure she was. Me. Katie Wagner, Mike Wagner's daughter and granddaughter of uh, former AD Bucky Wagner. But that's what the EFA is all about. So this is our big fundraiser and fun. We have a really good time. The money is used for various things. We help fund the agency account for the football coach. We have the Eric Russell Scholarship. We have the Roger Inman Award, which goes to a student equipment manager or ops crew. We have the Doc Tom Smith Award, which goes to a student trainer. So we have different things that we do. And also we help We help with former Eagles who maybe hadn't graduated yet. And we, we'll come in and provide some financial assistance so they can get those classes. So it's a lot of good things that we do, and we appreciate you for being there. It's a fun time. Last year we had our record crowd, but I would say close to 500 in Hanner Fieldhouse. It's fun. Talk you've about only it. been – never. I've been once. Once? Because you always have baseball conflicts, you and Danny. 
Yeah. I got to talk to him about that. For whatever that. We reason, we're it. always on the road. I don't yeah. understand. We got to work on that. Yeah. You know, got to tell him and change the schedule. You know, for a while, I thought you were planning it that way so you didn't have to deal with it. It's always on the night of the um, spring game, unless the spring game is on a Friday night. But we're always the Saturday night of that spring game. And this week, and again, trying to create this seventh home game atmosphere. It's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, there's an arts and crafts festival going on that weekend also. Talk about the history of the EFA reverse raffle. When did that really become a thing, and how did it start? The the group itself started unofficially with Vance Pike. Vance was a legendary offensive lineman who was an assistant coach here, married, a couple kids, and was working out, was in great health, so everyone thought, and he passed away of a heart attack. And he was one of our brothers, so we all stepped up to help put together a little scholarship fund for his children So when they got to go to college. And we just started organizing from there. And then it really took off when Coach Russell, Irk Russell, passed away. And then we formed, really then, if you want to, formally, I guess, underneath the Athletic Foundation. And we've taken off from there. It's um, Think about it, it's $120 dues uh, a year. It used to be 60 forever. The uh, members get a shirt, really cool shirt, or a pullover. Uh, we have a free tailgate we do before every home game. We'll do road tailgates, Georgia State in particular. We make it to a bowl. We also buy tickets. We probably buy more tickets than any group. We buy about 50 a year. That's not too bad. And of course, it's in the beer garden, so it's an easy sell right, yeah. to the guys. So that's what we do. We have a big tailgate out front, and um, it's a good time. Talk about the reverse raffle. What, first off, for those who may not know, what, oh. it, what is a reverse raffle? <clears throat> Joey Cushing's got to get the credit for that, and Joey's our treasurer. And he played offensive line here, and he is one of two umpires that I actually like. Right. Two. Hop's the other one. I sometimes like him. Yeah, you don't have a choice in that one. No, I don't. We're brothers. (laughs) But Joey came up, brought this idea to us, and what a $10,000 reverse raffle is, is you you get a ticket with a number on it, and then at the beginning of the night, we have a big screen on the wall with all the tickets and their names listed, and we start drawing them. The goal is to be the last person standing, the last ticket standing. It's a fun event to watch because – you're up there hoping you don't, your name's not pulled because you're pulled, you're out, right? And what we do is when we get to the final 20, we put five blank tickets in. And the five blank ones always represent somebody. We use number three for Adrian Peterson, number eight for Tracy Ham, number 40 for Edwin Jackson. <clears throat> now, last year we used um, number 56 for Stan Stipe, who passed away, and number 48 for Mel McBride. This year, we will use number 23 for Kevin Crandall, who passed away as defensive back, and number 36, great defensive back, Brad Bowen, who passed away. So we'll put those five blank ones in. So now it's down to 25 tickets. And as we draw it, when we draw a blank one, we will auction that blank off and put it back in. Huh. Yeah, so you could always – so even though, let's say your name got pulled earlier, well, you could bid on that blank ticket and try to win it. Right. Now, this is where it really gets crazy. We get to the final 10. And they all come up to the front, don't they? We put 10 chairs on the stage, and we bring all 10 up, and we ask them, do you want to sell your ticket, or do you want to keep playing? If you want to sell it, 
we auction it off right there. You get 90% of what you pull in. 10% comes back to us, to the house. And it's fun because after every time we pull a name, I'll come back and say, Colin, you want to stay? You want to play? You know, I want to, I want to auction it off. And I'll say, what do you want for it? He said, I want, I want $2,000. All right, let the bidding start at two grand. And we bid it. Because you think about it, you have a one in two chance now to win 10 grand. So who you're your odds selling are better. it, you're selling it to, but you also get to start the bottom. Right. Th- okay. Yeah, so it's a lot of fun. And that goes throughout the night until the very end. And then somebody walks away with $10,000. That's how it works. I wish I could say I thought of it. It was Joey Cushion. He thought of it. Huh. And for an umpire, you know, I was surprised. Not too bad. He came up with a pretty good idea, even if it usually is a strike and he doesn't call it. Sorry, Joey. This has been around for the last 15 years. How much have you seen this event grow since you've been a part of it since the inception? You know, actually 14. Now I remember why we're 15. We're calling it 15 even though we did not have it during the COVID year. Oh, okay. But we're so going to call it 15 anyway. 15 years, 14 events. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. It started at Bishop Fieldhouse. And um, it was a it was a good event. It was a lot of fun. And then it kept growing. We got to the point that Bishop inside wasn't big enough. So we put a big tent outside Bishop. And we had the event inside and outside. And then we outgrew that. And then um, Lori Durden... And the team over at Ogeechee Technical College built this great facility in the back. So we used that. It was perfect, except for it wasn't at Paulson. But it was really a great space. Well, that space has gotten so popular that we couldn't even rent it again because it's always booked. Last year, we were planning on having this event on the field at Paulson. So we had tent crews. Everybody was set up. So as soon as the game was over, the crews would start putting the tent on the field, put a field, uh, put the uh, stuff on the field so we don't mess it up, and we were going to have an outdoor event. Well, if you remember last year, uh, Noah's Ark came fly, you know, floating <laughs> by. It was it was it was very wet. Right. So three days before the event, we had to make the call. Now we had Hanner um, reserved on backup anyway, but we had to make the call and we moved everything to Hanner and blew it out of the water. No pun intended. Said record crowd last year. Record, record crowd. That's awesome. Yeah, and the MC, he's nuts. I've heard the guy's crazy. I've heard. Yeah, especially as the night goes on. Yeah, he can get out of line a little bit, but <laughs> I try to control him a little bit. But yeah, if you want more information, please don't hesitate to reach out. But uh, I could tell you the link, but then I mean I don't really know it. I could just send it to you. <laughs> so anyway, there's a link and it's online. And you can, if you go on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, it's on there in the EFAA, and you click it, you can buy your ticket. And here's the important part. You don't have to be there. So Colin wants to buy a ticket knowing he can't be there. That's great. I'll put it in. And what I'll say is, Colin, make sure you have your phone handy. Because if you make the final 10, I'm calling you. And we've done that where we've had somebody sit in for them on the chair getting instructions. So you don't have to be there, and the money's going towards a good cause, and you could win $10,000. Do I get to pick who sits in for me? You can. Huh. Yes, you can. I have to think about that one. Exactly. You, you ten thousand dollars. You know, we got a baby room to build out. <laughs> You're not joking. Did we? Um, now let's get an important matter. Did we decide that the name Terry is a good one? Terry Lacey or was Rachel okay with it? Well, I think it's better now because last time you were on this podcast, you 
almost announced that we were having a kid to the world before anybody knew it. Yeah, you weren't telling anyone. <laughs> no. this boy. How about Harvo? Harvo Lacey. Yeah, I think Rachel's going to veto that. Yeah, we got to work on that. Good luck. <laughs> you know, she wins anyway. Yeah, but, no uh, joke. Thank you for letting me hang out with you tonight. Hey, uh, you're not the done. Podcast. I'm not yet. What no. am I talking about now? We still got to dive into Georgia Southern baseball. Well, I can do that. And so, How about our golf team? Talked about them a little bit you earlier. You already did? Okay. Leading in the Sunbelt Conference Championship through two rounds. They got one more tomorrow. Them in Coastal Carolina battling it out for the top. What are we, league? Uh, three-stroke? Two-stroke lead. Two-stroke lead right now. Coastal's a good squad. Yeah. Won the Sunbelt Conference Tournament last year. Be pretty amazing, Mimi, they pull this off in year one. Yeah. And then the men travel this weekend to go to Arkansas. Yep. El Dorado, Arkansas for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday for the stroke play. Yeah. Top four will move into match play. One plays four. Hate that format. Yeah, I do too. I, I had to call Dan McDonald, who calls it for ESPN Plus for the conference. Yeah. Had to call him earlier to make sure I understood Yeah, I'm it. not a big fan of it, but it is what it is. And uh, But I'd like to think our team is so strong this year that even if we were to lose in match play, we could get in the regionals. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. Is the bar open in here? Because I need to get a drink. Is there a waitress <laughs> or anything around here? I don't think so. I don't think I there's anybody down someone's here. going to come by here. You look at Georgia Southern baseball ranked in the top 25 for the first time since 2013. Yeah. 19th in the Baseball America poll. That's the highest ranking since 1996. But it started last week at Presbyterian. And this is one that we talked about it before the game. It was going to test this team's mental toughness by every stretch of the imagination a team that gets in at 5.30 Monday morning from Texas after the long trip, yeah. have to go to classes Monday morning. As some you eight, should. Some 8 o'clock classes Monday oh, morning. Brutal. Yeah. And then you turn around, drive three hours to Presbyterian, to Clinton, South Carolina. The Blue Hose. Yes, sir. It didn't look great for Georgia Southern. Tied at three after six. Presbyterian with four in the seventh and eighth to take a seven to three lead. But Georgia Southern scores four in the top of the ninth inning to tie it up. Two more in the tenth to win it in ten innings, 9-7. A really big win for this team coming into a big weekend against Georgia State this past week. And you need that. You need that challenge going into tournament play in particular. In the middle of the conference play, you got to finish strong. But uh, they need to, going back to y'all's phrase, find a way. Well, I'm mean, sorry you traveled, and it is what it is. Yeah. You're still going to play the game. And that means somebody else may have to step up. And they did. Yeah. And then coming into Georgia State, I got to tell you, I was a little surprised by that because it's hard pressed to find, to get me to talk very positively of that school up there. Yeah. I don't like it because I really like Brad Strombell. I do. I like the coach. (laughs) Um, I do. I like the coach. I actually know a few of the players because of where they grew up and, you know, have a connection to them. And I think we need them to be a competitive baseball team. This conference is, I mean, it was strong baseball anyway. Now you're going to throw in, now you got a Georgia State team that's getting significantly better. You're throwing in Southern Miss, James Madison, Old Dominion, Marshall. Uh, You'd have to think that this conference is a a two-team lock into regionals. Uh, if not, if not more at this point, they're talking this year that the conference could potentially have four bids in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, which is fantastic. That's really what the Sunbelt Conference was used to being in the early 2000s, right before Georgia Southern joined. Prior to the 2015 season, it was a two and three bid league every year. Yeah, that's what Sunbelt baseball should be. And you're only adding teams that 
add to that coming Correct. up. Correct, especially Southern Miss. But Georgia State, we saw last year yeah. a, a vastly improved team. This year, I expected uh, – I didn't expect a sweep. Yeah. I did. Now, you know, they we snuck – we got away with one Friday, uh, Thursday night, right? We won one that we probably shouldn't have won, right? But that's been most of the games <laughs> Okay, this year. granted. But especially the way they came out. They were yeah. so aggressive in the base running, and it came back to bite them a little bit in the field. And then I know all this, not because I was at the game, because I was listening to you and Annie, so thank you. And then I show up uh, Friday late. I was in Hilton Head. The Heritage showed up late. Um, yeah, I did that. Dropped it. Yeah, I was in a suite at the Heritage. It was it was sweet. Anyway, yeah, you call me on Friday. I'm like, what are nice. you doing? I got to hang out with some friends over there. It was pretty cool. We had some of our sponsors over there. You were high Renaissance rolling with Frank Sikowski. Sikowski was there. Wild Wing was there. Rick. How about and, it? Yeah, the our Budweiser people were there. And nice. Ultra and Cutwater and had a good time. Anyway, got back late. Folks. Came straight to the game. And I, I'm listening to y'all, and I was like, we're winning 11 to nothing. Yeah. That's crazy. And then, so the next day, I just, they got jump up on us by six. Uh, a good team, good-looking team out in the field, too, yeah. by the way. Good size. So, yeah, I'm, I, I don't count them out come tournament time. No, not at all. There's several teams that you tell me comes in a tournament with, Texas, uh, of course, us, Texas State, Georgia State, uh, Louisiana always. You know, Coastal's kind of been a roller coaster. They're down yeah. this year, right? South Alabama, they were the preseason favorite. Yeah. It's a Georgia State team that went to Panthersville, and they swept South Alabama at home. Mm-hmm. They come into this past weekend atop the Sunbelt Conference, one game above Texas State, two above Georgia Southern. It's a team that 18 wins last year for Georgia State, but – they played the gauntlet of the schedule. Yeah, I mean they did. Th- their non-conference was an SEC schedule at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and so that prepared them for what they are this year. And I know Georgia Southern swept them. That's a really good baseball team. Yeah, really, it, they are. They are. And uh, the umpire, you can't blame it on the umps because they were equally bad on both sides. You know, to both teams and. I thought the coaches, for the most part, held their own without getting kicked out of the game. Certainly not like the Tennessee guy, but uh, which was funny. Your favorite coach up there, mm-hmm. but they are, and so it's some really good baseball, and there and there's more great baseball to be played. And you know the tournament out in Montgomery, that's a fun venue. I know y'all like to go to that one in particular. Yeah. So again, I can't tell you who's going to be it. There's even rumblings. I mean, if we could get to the regionals and win the conference, could we host? I mean, Kennesaw State's looking at trying to host. There's yeah. a lot of. It just depends on how much you bid and what you want to guarantee at the end of the day. But I just want to win the conference for a change. Let's what? just. I'm in. Win the tournament, then we're in the regionals, and let's go watch them play. But right now, you got to finish strong because you got Florida State, and then who? Florida State on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at South Alabama. Oh. Yeah, and you know South Alabama's chomping at the bit because they're not doing as well as they were projected to do and that's a very very good program yeah yeah it's gonna be a strong they have a strong finish you got to be peaking going into that tournament recap it a little bit from this past weekend friday or rather thursday thursday friday and saturday for georgia southern against the georgia state panthers it was a four to two victory for georgia southern on thursday night on the back of ty fisher six and a third innings work scattered around nine hits but only allowed two runs one walk six strikeouts over 99 pitches really good work for ty fisher set georgia southern up to be able to score two in the seventh one in the eighth to take the lead at four to two then on 
Friday afternoon, Jalen Payton on normal rest. Six innings of work of shutout baseball, nine strikeouts, a career high. And Georgia Southern gets the victory 11-1 to on the back of Payton. That was an amazing performance. Probably the best I've ever seen him pitch. Yeah, that was probably the best he's looked all year. Yeah. And really good to see it now. Good command of everything. And then you mentioned it on Saturday. Got down 6 nothing after the first two innings to Georgia State. Yeah. You turn it around. You win 10-8. to And it was just Georgia Southern chipping back, chipping back, chipping back. You're down 6 nothing. Score two in the third. You exchange runs in the fourth. So it's 7-3 to after four. One in the fifth, none in the sixth. You give up one in the top of the seventh to make it eight to four, and then you're like, mm, I don't know if this is the day. But you got the series win already. You're good. Then Georgia Southern scores four in the bottom of the seventh, two in the eighth, and Georgia Southern takes the lead at 10 to eight. That was one of the most crazy things to try to explain what just happened. Yeah. It's unreal. They fell apart. Georgia State, you had some. Um, Forced errors and unforced yeah. errors. How about that? Um, that's fair to say. Yeah. I, I never could get past the, um, since you guys are major students of the game, the wind-up from the pitcher in game three. Uh, Watson that looked like he was going from the it Looked stretch. like a balk all the time. Yeah. I thought you had to kind of come set before you could. It was like one motion. Yeah, he is it legal? Yes. Should it be legal? We can have a whole nother podcast about that. Oh lord. Cuz I don't think it should be, but there you go. The field looks fantastic out there, so it was good for them to be back at home. I know they were looking forward to being back yeah, at no home. Yeah, no joke. And and they played like it too. Yeah. Uh, they gave the fans you're missing out on some good baseball. If you can't get out to J.I. Clemens and Jack Stallings Field, uh, to see a game, you're really missing out on some baseball, some really good baseball. Yeah, it'll be four on the road, and then Georgia Southern back for five at home the following week, Tuesday and Wednesday, both against Kennesaw State. That's yep. the makeup of the game that got rained out two weeks ago, rather. And then you've got Coastal Carolina coming into J.I. Clement Stadium next week, so it's going to be a lot of fun to get back to J.I. Clement. It's going to be seeing a lot of Georgia Southern baseball at home down the backstretch of Sunbelt Conference play. Good baseball. Yeah, because Kennesaw State's another program in the state. You got you have Mercer, of course, Georgia Tech, Georgia uh, Bulldogs. They struggled against A and M, yeah, <clears throat> badly. Um, but Kennesaw State, and we beat a very good Mercer team that I didn't expect. Yeah, and then this Kennesaw State team, they're strong. So we need that for our RPI and everything else. Going into last week, all six Division One teams in the state of Georgia were in the top twenty-five RPI. Pretty cool, huh? Unreal. And, you, and that's the way it should be. There's so much talent in Atlanta. There's no reason that a team from the state of Georgia should not be stacked. You could say that about so many sports. I'm being yeah. very serious with you on that one. We, You mentioned Murph earlier. Mm-hmm. Soccer's taking off. Men's yeah. and women's soccer. It's not taking off. It's took off a while back. A lot of great soccer played in the state of Georgia. Yeah, We got our own professional team right here in our backyard. <clears throat> Seeing that stadium being built is pretty cool, right? Softball. Huge sport. Yeah. And not just across the United States, but in particular in the state of Georgia. Golf. We all know that already. Basketball. I never understood while Georgia, Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern. Um, well, Georgia Tech back in the Kremens days, okay, but have really not been relevant. I never understood it because there's so much talent in the state of Georgia and they're leaving. 
Yeah. Instead of staying here to play. And you can't say it's all because of facilities. Georgia Tech's got a great facility. Georgia Bulldogs has a great facility, right? Mercer seemed to put together a team. That team up in Atlanta, Georgia State, they they put together a good program and they play in a in a building. Third floor. Yeah, it's just it's it's a glorified high school gym, right? In a building. But they put together good they get are able to get that talent to stay here in Atlanta. So look for them to continue to take off. You see what the rifle team's doing. Volleyball is huge right now. Yeah. So the state of Georgia is a great place to be, and it's a great place to recruit. So if you're an athlete here, you get opportunity to go, I can go anywhere in the state for the most part. The good thing about Southern and Atlanta is they're basically three and a half hours away. Yeah. So as a student athlete, you're just far enough away from home where you can't go home crying every weekend. Mm-hmm. But you can go home to mom and daddy, too. You yep. know, it's quick and gets, you know, so it's a perfect spot. I loved it. That's that's part of the reason I came here. Is it? Far enough away, but also still there because you know me. I'm <laughs> I'm spoiled rotten. There's no doubt about it. So I've got to be within arm's reach. We get there, get home quickly. Yeah, I've got to be within arm's reach. Guess what? I was three and a half hours away from home too, but I was from Florida. So you so just Keith, went the other way. I just went the other way, down <laughs> 95, you know, just out of Jacksonville. And again, it was, I could get home on the weekends when I needed to, but I just could just take off. Yeah. It was just a little bit too far, but it was perfect. Mom and dad came to every ball game, but anyway, a lot of exciting things happening. We got the, oh, we forgot one, the groundbreaking ceremony for the Anthony Tippins indoor practice facility will be Saturday as well. That's yep. fun. That one, a 10 o'clock for the groundbreaking ceremony and it'll be out in the area where the indoor practice facility is going to be yep. if you're standing at the gates of paulson stadium looking out towards the soccer facility it's on the right side of the parking lot so it's going to be a a really cool yeah. ceremony a really cool day to kind of wrap everything together you've got the barbecue cook-off you've got the punt pass and kick you've got the groundbreaking ceremony and then the game then the EFA reverse route. A lot of things going on that day. Again, you got the um, arts and craft. You have a softball game. So good time to come to Statesboro and hang out. Georgia Southern Baseball will be hitting the road. They head down to Tallahassee on Wednesday for a 7 o'clock first pitch against the Florida State Seminoles. And to dive into the matchup, we catch up with the voice of the Florida State Seminoles on the baseball radio play-by-play and Eric Lou Allen, who takes us through the preview. So we continue on this week's edition of Inside Eagle Nation. We visit with the play-by-play voice for Florida State baseball as we preview Georgia Southern and the Florida State Seminoles coming up on Wednesday down at Dick Hauser Stadium as Eric Lou Allen joining us here. Eric, appreciate you joining us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, happy to do so. Take us into what this Florida State team is all about this year. I know an exciting time after getting the victory over Florida last midweek and then sweeping number nine Louisville down at Dickhauser Stadium this past weekend. It's got to have a lot of excitement around this program. Yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, it's it can sometimes be difficult to have fans stay patient with a team. And, and uh, so many people are used to seeing performances and not understanding sometimes the highs and lows you can go through. And uh, I, I know Mike Martin Jr. brought up, uh, we were in the middle of a five-game losing streak there for a little while, and he brought up that uh, he remembered 1999, five-game losing streak, and still going to Omaha and actually making it all the way to the finals that year. And he said, look, I'm not promising you that we're going to get to the finals, but this kind of stuff can happen to the best of teams. 
And, um, you know, as far as the team goes, they've just got to keep coming to the park and believing and, and, and keep grinding and keep going at it. Um, and good things are going to happen. And, uh, you know, you go through a five-game losing streak, you, you get swept by Notre Dame, you lose a series on the road to Georgia Tech, and you come home and go 4-0, beat Florida, and sweep Louisville. So it's, uh, it, it's amazing how quickly it can turn around. You talk about Mike Martin Jr. at the helm of this Florida State team. What's it been like after his dad handing over the reins to him three years ago? What's really the change been with him at the helm? I think it's uh, he's he's kept a lot of the things that that you know that he feels are the seminal way. Uh, he grew up in the program. He played in the program. He coached in the program for a long time. Um, so there are certain things that that he feels like those are things that Florida State does and has made them successful. But I think he's also brought a, a more modern approach to things uh, than maybe his dad would have um, would have applied. Uh, you never would have seen a shift. Now you see uh, Florida State apply the shift quite a bit. And, you know, they're, they're using analytics to decide when they're shifting and, and who they're shifting against and where they're putting guys. And, um, you know, dad was probably a little more old school than that. Um, and, and there's probably more of a, a modern approach to nutrition and strength and conditioning and, and things of that nature, I think, than maybe his dad probably would have put out there. But um, and I, I think he's he's a little more – I, I think he wants to be a little more aggressive than uh, perhaps his father would have would have put his team into positions, uh, putting more pressure on the opposing team, um, running, bunning, uh, making the other team have to make plays against you. Dive into this team offensively. What really makes this team go? You look at Jaime Ferrer at the top with a 321 average driven in 30, but what offensively is this team all about? Well, I think that's something they've still been trying to to grasp, trying to to get a hold of, trying to figure out. Um, and a lot of that has to do with with the limited access they've had to Tyler Martin this year. Uh, Tyler Martin, you know, he was the he, he was the he was the the coffee stirrer in the drink, so to speak, uh, of leading things off and finding ways to get on base, uh, putting that pitcher through a 10, 12, 13 pitch at bat. And, and, and winning the battle in the end, no matter what, what that meant. Um, and I think with, with the shoulder surgery they'd had back in August, it's been tough for this team to figure out what they are because they didn't have a true leadoff hitter. Ferrer is hitting the leadoff spot. Reese Albert is hitting the leadoff spot. Um, they've tried uh, Isaiah Perry in the leadoff spot. They, they've tried guys there, but none of them were truly, were truly made up for that position the way Tyler Martin always has been. And I think that's been a big thing to really restrict what they've been able to do. And you can see him now that he's back in the lineup and, and playing most every day. Uh, you can see him, you can see the shoulders starting to get stronger. He's having better swings. Uh, when he first got back into the lineup, you, you'd still see him really work a count, really work a pitcher hard, but, not necessarily put the best swings on the ball, um, but he hadn't seen live pitching and again, coming off that shoulder surgery. It's, it's been a process for him, but uh, he hit one off the, the top of the screen, a, a leadoff double in the first inning on Saturday after Florida state gave up three in the top of the first to Louisville. And it, it was, it was a great tone setter for that team to be able to get that out of the leadoff batter after having such a bad first inning. 
on the pitching side, specifically in the bullpen, what has really made this team go? Thankfully, Georgia Southern probably not going to see Parker Messick on Wednesday. But <laughs> what what has this bullpen really been like for this Florida State team? Well, and at the front end of it, before we get to the bullpen, I'm not sure what Georgia Southern is going to see as a starter because uh, Mike Martin Jr. did say after the game on Saturday that Carson Montgomery is going to move into the Sunday spot. Um, and you could kind of sense that was going to be the case with Ross Dunn having a, a short outing and not pitching very well at Georgia Tech. Uh, so I thought maybe they'd go with Carson Montgomery on Saturday and then with Ross coming out early, a chance to get him right back out there on Wednesday. But it sounds like they kind of want to take a step back with him and get some work in the bullpen, work on some mechanical issues that have – not that have popped up, but some mechanical issues he's had in the past that, that are kind of reemerging. Um, so I, I haven't yet heard what they're going to do on the front end. As far as the back end of it goes, uh, you know, if, if you get into a situation in a close game late, you're going to see – Probably one or both of Davis Hare and Jonas Galaro. Uh, they both uh, they're they're both veteran guys. Uh, Hare gets out there, you know, sinker up to ninety five, throws a splitter that's just really a, a a filthy pitch, and he'll mix a curveball in there as well. And he's a fifth year senior. He's a JUCO guy, but he's been in the program for three years. Scalaro, um, you know, he's he's a hundred and forty, uh, well, getting close to one hundred and forty career appearances. Uh, so you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, they've also had gotten some good innings here of late out of a freshman by the name of Connor Whitaker. And I, I like what I've seen out of him coming out of the bullpen. He's been kind of a, a steady enforce that will come in and get you two or three good innings when you really need it. Uh, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if you actually see Connor Whitaker start in this game on Wednesday. Uh, he, was, he was a true freshman who was kind of a dark horse for that Sunday spot in that competition. Uh, but then became a bullpen guy. And, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out there at the front end on Wednesday. Talk about the atmosphere at Dick Hauser Stadium. We know it's been a historic program down at Florida State, but Georgia Southern hasn't seen Tallahassee in a number of years. The only time that Georgia Southern's been there since 85 was the 2014 regional. Postseason gets crazy in and of itself. But what does a regular season kind of atmosphere look like down in Tallahassee? Uh, you could probably pretty much bank on somewhere in about the 4,500 range for that game. Um, and you'll have, they'll make noise. It'll be pretty rowdy. Uh, it, it's generally a, a pretty fun atmosphere. It's nice to see it back again after we had restrictions on uh, attendance last year. So it's been nice to, to see those fans in the stands. And I think it's kind of led to even a little more atmosphere. It's like, you know, they, they, they missed being able to do it last year. Um, so they're, they're getting opportunities to, to, to be what they've been all along. And um, I, you get the enjoyment of having the window closest to the animals, which is always a treat uh, for, for the visiting team. And I know that's one of the comments I always get from, from guys who haven't been there or haven't been there very often uh, on the radio side is looking forward to sitting in that visitor's booth, which is the closest window to the animals and, and getting to kind of hear some of the things they do throughout the course of the game. And, it's not all it's not all really in your face obvious stuff there's some really you know there's some high level low key things that go on there but it's it's always entertaining 
Let's dive into your story a little bit. You were a player for Florida State on the football side, but made the transition over to the baseball side for the broadcasting. What was that transition like for you? And I know you're somebody that bleeds garnet and gold and loves Tallahassee through and through. Uh, well, it's fine. And I, I, I grew up in, in Tampa, and I actually played baseball and football. I was an offensive lineman, uh, was a left-handed pitcher in baseball, and came <laughs> – Came to Florida State, signed for football, but you know I was also one of those guys that I, I sat the stands uh, and went to every game I could go to for baseball, and and sat there and swore to myself that I could have pitched at Florida State. You know whether that's true or not. Well, uh, you know who knows. Uh, at fifty three years years old, I can say it and, and probably get away with it a little bit. And had a couple of my teammates and a couple of guys that I played against in high school who were out there on the team at the time. So. I, you know, I, I can get away with it and, and, and still uh, catch a little bit of grief from them when I, I try to when I try to claim that. But <laughs> um, it, it, it was I, I started doing a sports talk show and that kind of morphed into some fill in basketball duties. Some we had an arena football two team uh, 20 years ago. Uh, so it, it morphed into that. And um and I, I even worked some with uh, we at the time we had an East Coast Hockey League franchise, and I even worked some with them. So it was kind of a, I had done all of these little things, and the baseball job came open. But, and I felt like personally, from a, a standpoint of what I knew about sports, I was much more suited for baseball than some of those other things I had done, like like filling in for Gene Deckeroff doing basketball games or uh, being the the ice level guy at a hockey game, uh, filling in as the color guy for a hockey game. So I, I kind of felt like baseball was a better fit for me, I, it, but I don't think I, I don't think the average person understands what what that entails. And I I, I remember oh guys, and this is my 16th season. I remember I, I found a recording of opening weekend from 2007, and this is probably about 10 years ago. And I went back and listened to it, and I was horrified by what I heard. I, because I was literally stepping into the booth and my only experience with, with baseball was listening to games, but I'd never called a baseball game. I'd never tried it. I'd never attempted it. And uh, I, I did like the first four innings of we, we played, I still remember this. We played Tennessee. It was bitterly cold. And I did about the first four innings by myself because the guy I was doing that game with um, had, had other job obligations for his real job. And wasn't going to be able to get there in time. So I, I was solo for like the first four innings. The the start went about five minutes past the the pre-printed game clock schedule. So I had to fill like five, and it was like one of the most horrifying things I've ever had to do in radio. And, and like I said, I, I found a recording of that about 10 years ago and I went back and listened to it. It was it was really brutal. I now I'm solo by myself, and uh, gosh, I hope uh, I, I hope I'm giving a better show to the people out there that are listening. Expecting a really cool atmosphere down in Tallahassee on Wednesday, Georgia Southern and Florida State. It'll be a 7 o'clock first pitch. We're on the air at 6.30. Eric, appreciate you joining us. Yeah, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in person on Wednesday. Once again, that's the voice of Florida State baseball, Eric Lou Allen. We'll continue with more as we catch up with JT Crabtree from South Alabama. 
We continue on this week's edition of Inside Eagle Nation. We look at Georgia Southern baseball the back half of the week as they step back into Sunbelt Conference play to take on the South Alabama Jaguars down at Eddie Stanky Field in Mobile. And who better to talk to than the voice of South Alabama baseball and JT Crabtree. What's going on, dude? What's up, buddy? Looking forward to having you guys in town. It's, you know, obviously, I've been on the softball circuit for a long time, but now second year baseball circuit, I actually get to have a series with you guys in town. I'm pumped, man. Yeah, you've got to take us back to where was it you took us when we were there for football? Uh, Heroes Sports Bar and Grill. Proud yeah. supporter of South Alabama by looks. Awesome. <laughs> I'm sure we'll make a stop or two there. It's literally around the corner from the stink, so I'm sure we'll be there. It's obviously true. Perfect. <laughs> Go back to last year for this South Alabama team. Everybody knows that South Alabama winning the Sunbelt Conference Tournament over Georgia Southern last year. While it's not a great memory for Georgia Southern, South Alabama goes to the regional down in Gainesville you guys had a blast like you mentioned it was your first time being with the full South Alabama baseball team what was that experience like to go down to Gainesville and make some noise that you guys did yeah it was great you know we went down there playing our best ball and you guys saw it with uh, you know what Miles Smith did in relief in the championship game and just offensively a team all year that had honestly underperformed and finally the last two weeks of the season figured it out and going down to Gamesville, and then we had all that momentum from the Sunbelt tournament. And then in game one, you lose one nothing to Miami. It's like, oh, shoot, here's that offense again. And we turn right back around the next morning and knock out Florida 19-1. to I've never seen what we did in that sixth inning where it was 10 straight two-out hits, 10 straight two-out runs. I've never seen that before. That was unbelievable what we did down there. And then to turn around the next day and eliminate Miami, too, was was pretty darn special. I mean, the guys still talk about the, the win over Miami and how much trash that they were talking to us. And for us to turn around and get that win and eliminate them was, was pretty fun. Um, and then, you know, playing South Florida, we have a suspended game. We beat them, forced the, the winner-take-all game on a Monday, and just ran out of steam. Just ran out of steam and ironically the guy that ended up getting the kind of game-changing hits was a guy from mobile for south florida jared eaton he went to went to auburn then went juco and then ended up at south florida he actually went to my high school and so it was very ironic that he ended up being the guy but it was a lot of fun man it, it was so much fun that was a, a really special group of guys and you know to to see ethan wilson's career with the jags end by going to a regional michael sandal going to a regional those guys hadn't been to the postseason before and so to get those guys to the postseason to end their career was pretty special you talk about that run one of my favorite parts of that you have a gopro in the booth with you and charlie nichols y'all's sports information director who's a fantastic human being <laughs> he great. was the most fired up of anybody i've ever seen in those videos didn't you get charlie on the air this past week when you guys were at troy i did i so for, for months, I have joked with them about, hey, you know, I, I pack an extra headset. You can hop on if you want to. And sure enough, we get to the press box at Riddle Pace up in Troy. And I said, hey, man, I just held it up. I was like, you want it? He's like, yeah, I'll hop on there. I'm like, no kidding. All right, let's do it. <laughs> and sure enough, he does every single inning, every single inning of the whole series. And he was great. He did a great job. I and mean, especially, you know, the Friday was a double dip. We were at the ballpark for – 11 hours i think collectively that day we were on the air for seven hours and so having him to jump on there and just 
shoot the breeze with him for for a couple innings. That was a it was a lot of fun. He did a great job, and it's not his first time on there. He used to do color uh, back when we were in IMG school. He used to do color on the road, so it wasn't his first time. But it was his first time in eight years on the radio. Did a pretty good job. That's awesome. That was great. Talk about this South Alabama team, twenty-two and twelve overall. You've got nine and six record in Sunbelt Conference play. What is this South Alabama team? You talked about a couple of guys not back for this South Alabama team, but still some familiar faces. Yeah, you know, Ethan Wilson, Michael Sandel on the offensive side, those guys are gone, but some guys like Santi Montiel, Hunter Stokes, guys you're used to seeing every day in the order for South Alabama, those guys are back. Just about all of the pitching is back from last year. Miles Smith, JoJo Booker, Matt Boswell, Tyler Learman. The starting rotation returned every start from last year except for one, and that was the opening day start. Uh, the bullpen lost some big pieces. You know, Tyler Perez is now a GA with the team. Jace Dalton graduated. Tyler Diego was drafted. Uh, so you lost some big pieces at the back end of the game uh, out of the pen. But offensively, they're better this year. In spite of losing Ethan Wilson and Michael Sandel, offensively, a team that's hitting you know, north of 290, uh, the power overall just maybe isn't quite the same, but it's a more balanced offense. You know, we run a lot more. We've got almost 40 stolen bases on the season, and we didn't hit that mark as a team last year. Um, just overall, far more balanced offensively. More guys are getting it done because, I mean, you saw us last year. We had some guys, at the, especially at the end of the year, we had some cleanup guys that were hitting like 220, and that was just what we had. And you look at Miles Simmington now, who's a transfer from Purdue, He's jumped right in. He's a grad transfer, so this is his only year. He's sitting still over 380, and he's in a, quote, slump right now because he was hitting over 400 until last week. And so he's been great. Charles Middleton Jr. has been in and out of the lineup the last couple of weeks, but he's a guy that's hitting north of 290. The guy right now to watch the plate is Landon Jordan. He's a transfer from Mississippi State. Last year was in the starting lineup on opening day for the defending national champs, he's a legitimate SEC player. And the reason he's not there anymore is he got hurt. A guy took his spot, was out playing him down the stretch. He was without a roster spot. So he came here. He was actually recruited by us out of high school. So Mark Calvey doesn't like to use the portal, but he said in his case, I'll make an exception. We know he's a good kid. We know he handles his business. We'll bring him in. He's done great. He's been hurt a lot of the year. He's had a shoulder issue and Actually, this past weekend was the first time in a month that he played the field. He's a third baseman, typically, but he's having some issues throwing across the diamond. And so we've started him at DH, and swinging the bat hasn't been an issue. He's done great at DH. Well, this past weekend, we've had the flu kind of going through the team a little bit. And Eric Orbeda, who's another newcomer, has been our everyday second baseman. He comes down with the flu, and we're sitting here saying, we need someone at second. And Hunter Stokes, who has been our second baseman, has moved over to first base this year. We said, let's put Stokes at second, and Landon Jordan doesn't have to throw too much at first. Let's try him over there. He did pretty good, and he's still swinging the bat. He's right now uh, 329, three homers. He's driven in 18, and he's only started 17 games. He's been tremendous. Um, he's the guy that's heating up at the right time, and he, I think he's kind of the X factor offensively for this team. So. Hopefully, I still don't think this team has played their best baseball. I still think they've got it ahead of them. Um, had some tough stretches. You know, lost seven of eight on a road trip uh, two weeks ago. Played a, a Troy team that's pretty tough, especially at their place this past weekend. Took the series there, so you feel good. But now uh, get ready to play you guys this weekend to start a stretch of 
seven of the next nine against ranked opponents. This is uh, this is the gauntlet coming up now. You talk about what it's been up and down a little bit in Sunbelt Conference play. You sweep UT Arlington at home to start it, lose two out of three at Louisiana, get swept at Georgia State, then you return home, sweep App State, and then, as you just mentioned, at Troy this past weekend, taking two out of three with that doubleheader on Friday. You mentioned it before we started recording that this is a team that had gone on an eight-game road stretch, a lot like Georgia Southern just got finished with before this past weekend, and that was a big part of it. But what does this team look like in Sunbelt Conference play, especially the last couple of weeks? Yeah, they've been up and down. You know That, that eight-game stretch going into the season, we all kind of circled as, you know, this is where we're going to find out who we are. And it, it was a tough series. It was a tough stretch because you look at – we started that eight-game stretch playing Auburn in Montgomery in Riverwalk Stadium, and we just traded punches with those dudes and ended up losing 13-12. And then you go to the Louisiana, tough place. They're playing better ball this year. You drop the series, win, win one of them, which you'll take that. Then you turn around, you play Alabama, and – it's a game where you were down, you come back and tie it, and honestly, you should have taken the lead in the eighth, but the go-ahead run tripped coming around third and was thrown out the place. And it's like, what are you going to do? You know, that never happens. And then we lose the game on a walk-off. It's a one-two count, two outs, bases loaded in the ninth, and a curveball in the dirt gets away from the catcher, and the run scores on a wild pitch. It's like, that doesn't happen. And then you go to Georgia State, and you get swept, and, you know, they play much different at home. That ballpark is a launching pad over in Decatur. Uh, Ryerson was hot. Griffin Cheney was hot. Just a lot of guys just played really well. Pitching-wise, they had some good some good arms, especially their lefties out of the pen were really strong against us that weekend. But it was another weekend where we, just, we had some just some bad luck. You know, in the, the second game on a Saturday, we gave up a four spot in the first inning. Two of those runs were with two outs on a – ball in foul ground that stays in foul ground then just barely touches the corner of the third base bag and trickles down the line allows two runs to go. that never happens the ball never hits the corner like that and then you throw seven shutout innings behind that you know the friday game you lost by two and partly because you'd made an earlier error in the game that allowed two runs to come in to score and then sunday you're up five nothing and the wind's blowing out, and they get a, a hold of two pop-ups that just keep on going. One of them ends up being a grand slam, and you lose 9-5. <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, it's it's baseball like that sometimes, but I, I really, like I said, I think this team still hasn't played their best ball. They've got some guys that are kind of settling into the lineup. The, the lineup isn't really what we know it's going to be yet because, like I said, with Landon Jordan, you've got – not enough spaces for too many guys, which obviously it's a great problem to have. And so they're still trying to figure out where guys sit. Um, Y'all are wanting some payback. Always a ton of fun, regardless if it's regular season or, or championship game. It's always fun when the Jags and the Eagles match up on the diamond. So I, I think, I think honestly, I mean, both teams are going to learn a lot about themselves. You guys have been, rallying from behind in so many games i think you know i i'm really excited to see y'all in person and see just just how scrappy and, and how tough you guys are 
you bring up something I wanted to get to a little bit later on, but this has kind of turned into a semi-rivalry between Georgia Southern and South Alabama on the baseball field. We've talked about it time and time again, Danny and I have, of those are always really good games when South Alabama and Georgia Southern, whether it's regular season or postseason, it seems like South Alabama has gotten the better of Georgia Southern most of the time in the postseason. But when you look at this team, what is it from a South Alabama side that this Georgia Southern South Alabama series is? You're right. I, I, it really does feel like a rivalry. I mean, when I, the way I think about it was last year when we went to you guys, I'm up in the booth and every time you guys came to the plates, I was nervous. I felt like you guys, every, it didn't matter one through nine, you guys were going to smoke the ball. And that's not, an, it's not against our pitchers. That's just how good you guys are at the plate. And then, you know, when we got to the Sunbelt tournament and into the championship game, just the way that we were playing, how we were playing so well, I mean, you know, McWhorter hits a oppo homer in the first off the off the daggum scoreboard in Montgomery. We're like, oh, God, here we go again. But then we rallied back and tied it. And I remember telling Joe McNulty in one of the breaks, you know, I didn't feel afraid of you guys in that game like I did during the series. I don't know how I'm going to feel this weekend. You know, we've got Southeastern before we play y'all, and we're not a very good team on the road. We're very up and down on the road, and Hammond's historically for us been a very tough place to play. I'm really curious to see, even just from my perspective, how I feel when I see you guys step in the batter's box. I know McWhorter's not there, but you still got Avent, and you got Ledford, and you got Thompson, you got all those other guys. But I'm really curious to see, you know, I, I know our guys are, are jacked up to come play y'all. Uh, and I think that's half the battle is when you guys come up on the schedule, I think both of us kind of bring the level of play up and the intensity up a little bit. I think we're going to see that this weekend. It's, uh, it's our alumni reunion weekend. We've got the 25th anniversary of the 1997 team. and went to an NCAA regional. They'll be back in town. We've got, I think, close to 60 baseball alum coming back into town um so it should be a heck of a weekend the weather looks great um i'm actually i'm doing the saturday game from the deck and left so that'll be cool um yeah. i'm looking forward to them and you gotta you gotta stroll out there come they've got a big green egg cooking out there you can it's not the cajun cooking club but you know we'll get you something hey you talk about food we're there <laughs> <laughs> talk about this pitching for South Alabama. You talk about bringing back most of your starts from last year. The rotation has been changing a little bit the last couple of weeks with Miles Smith having to get out of the rotation. He came back out of the bullpen now. What does this rotation look like in the combination of Learman, Boswell, Booker, Smith in there, not in there? What's this pitching staff really look like now? Yeah, so the main two guys on the weekend have been Matt Boswell and JoJo Booker, and everybody in the Sun Belt knows those guys. They've been around for a while, especially JoJo. Uh, Miles Smith has been in in and out the last couple of weeks because in our loss, the Friday night loss in 11 innings against Louisiana, that's another game where you, know, you look back, you should have won it. We had taken the lead in the 11th and blew it in the bottom half. Miles threw eight innings, 128 pitches, and – you know, rightfully so, he's going to be a little bit tired the next time out. And he comes out Friday night against Georgia State and just didn't have it. He's topping out 86. You know, most of his stuff's sitting at 84. And he comes to get treatment that night, and he's just like, yeah, you know, it's just something doesn't feel right. 
and honestly, there was some pretty heavy concern that he was done. Uh, you know, our certified athletic trainer, Chris McDonald, said, yeah, we're going to get some scans on him, but it doesn't look pretty. And fortunately, it was much better than they anticipated. And so they worked him back in out of the pen, and it worked out this past Thursday where Boswell moved up a day to start on Thursday. He was one of the guys coming off the flu, and, it, and honestly, he probably still had it while he was pitching. And he just he didn't have it. You know, his fastball tops at 94. Usually he was sitting 88. He just the energy just wasn't there. And so, okay, it's an opportunity to throw Miles out there and you know, kind of like how you guys saw him in the championship last year. He can go long relief, let him go. And so it worked out that he looked fine. He felt fine, which is obviously the more important part. He felt fine out there. So I'm curious what they're gonna do this weekend. I don't think We'll see Miles out of the rotate or in the rotation this weekend. I think they feel pretty good with roll him out there if someone gets in trouble. Or you know, Tyler Learman's been a Swiss Army knife for us. He started midweeks. He's been in the weekend the last couple of weekends. He threw seven innings scoreless last weekend against App on three days rest. Uh, he's he's been a do all for us, and so I think they're going to be comfortable. Whatever the situation dictates, whatever's easiest for Miles to throw out there, they'll let him roll. Now, you know, historically, because he's had success against you guys, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if he rolls out there on Friday and we shift the rotation back like normal. But, you know, we'll, uh, we'll find out this weekend, right? It's been a while since Georgia Southern baseball is headed down to Mobile. 2018, the last time Georgia Southern had a series down at Eddie Stanky Field. Remind those of Eagle Nation that are coming down for the weekend what to expect from a from a weekend at the stank. Yeah, come on. It's it's a lot of fun. You know, it's um not the same kind of bowl that you guys have. It's a little bit higher. Uh, we've got some decks out and right that you can uh you can bring whatever you want in a you know, beverage included. You can read into that what you want. As long as it's in a cup, we're okay with it. Um but since the last time you guys were here, I I think the video board had just been put in and left, but that's still out there. We've redone Kit's Corner and Left, which is our alumni deck. It's now a, a three-tiered, uh, really nice deck. And on the bottom ground level, uh, you can actually see through the fence and sit in some Anirondack chairs. Uh, the big difference that folks will probably see is the new John Lieber Clubhouse, which is down the left field line. Before, you know, it was kind of looking like an old house in the left field corner. That's been completely torn down. It's a brand new building that opened um, before last season, and it's great. I mean, the the size of the locker room itself is bigger than I believe the entire building was before. It's 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 a it's close to a major league locker room. It's huge. Um, it has its own weight room in there too. It's got a training facility, coaches' offices, whatnot, players' lounge, equipment room, mud room, blah blah blah. I mean, obviously, fans won't see that but it's a nice facility and something that we've definitely lacked because before we didn't have enough lockers for the entire team guys were doubling up in some lockers and so having a big nice facility like that's great the bullpens are no longer in play that's a big difference they're now behind fences um the massive amounts of foul ground we used to have down each line are gone because they put uh three mound bullpens on each side and so that really, I mean, we're talking two feet of foul ground once you get down the lines by the bullpens. It's very, very narrow. Especially, I mean, Colin, you've seen it. The, the old foul ground was huge down the lines. Now it's non-existent. Um, 
might be the last time you see grass and dirt at Eddie Snakey Fields. I know Mark Calvi has um, – he really wants to get some turf in there. And I get it. You know, it rains a lot down here. You lose a lot of practice days. But I think you and I are on the same pitch. You know, baseball is meant to be on grass and dirt. And so that hurts my soul a little bit to, to hear that. But uh, I get from a, a coaching and a program standpoint where they're going with it. But – that's crazy uh, because this yeah. is the only road conference weekend that we will see an all-natural surface. Really? Yep. Wow. I, you know, that's what I've told people is that you know, the conference around – a lot of folks around the league have gone turf already. And, you know, it's just the way it's kind of going in college baseball. But, it's, you know, I, I, love, I love grass and dirt. Yep. I, I absolutely love it. I'm with you. Appreciate you taking some time. Looking forward to catching up this weekend. It's supposed to be a really good weekend for Georgia Southern and South Alabama. Always is when these two get together. Appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, my man. I'll see you this weekend. Once again, that's JT Crabtree, the voice of the South Alabama Jaguars on the baseball radio dial. Really good to catch up with JT and going to be really good to catch up with him this weekend. Also, really appreciate Eric Lou Allen for taking some time with us as well, the voice of Florida State baseball on the radio as well. Good to be catching up with him. And Georgia Seller will head down to Tallahassee for a Wednesday first pitch. 7 o'clock the first pitch. We're on the air with the Cutwater Spirits on deck circle starting at 6.30 on Wednesday team will stay in Tallahassee Wednesday night and then make the trip over to Mobile, Alabama to face off against the South Alabama Jaguars. 7.30 Eastern first pitch on Friday and Saturday. We're on the air with the Cutwater Spirits on deck circle starting at 7 o'clock Eastern and then 2 o'clock first pitch Eastern on Sunday. We're on the air starting at 1.30. Appreciate Terry Harvin for stopping by and being our guest host tonight to talk all things Georgia Southern, especially this weekend. Georgia Southern football hosting the spring game for Georgia Southern as well. You've got the True Blue cook-off, True Blue barbecue cook-off rather, Presented by Dolan's, that from 7 to 11.30. The punt, pass, and kick competition. Presented by Splash and the Borough. Check-in at 8 o'clock. Competition starts at 9. The indoor practice facility, the Tippins Family practice facility. The groundbreaking at 10 a.m. And then the kickoff for a 12 noon kick for Georgia Southern. And the spring game, blue versus white at Allen E. Paulson Stadium. And then on Saturday night, the EFAA $10,000 reverse raffle inside Hanner Fieldhouse. You can go to gseagles.com or look on the EFAA Facebook or Twitter pages to get your tickets for that on Saturday night. Busy weekend around Statesboro, but Georgia Southern on the road. Tallahassee on Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as they step back in to Sunbelt Conference play down in Mobile against South Alabama. That'll wrap things up for us for Terry Harvin. Again, appreciate JT Crabtree from South Alabama and Eric Lou Allen for catching up with us from Tallahassee. But this is Colin Lacey saying so long, everybody. You've been listening to Inside Eagle Nation, powered by Learfield, the official podcast of Georgia Southern Athletics. 